Jesus. Let's shout Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We shall not fear, but we shall prevail. We shall win. We will finish this race. Praise God. In the book of Revelations, hallelujah, the Bible declares that there was a war in heaven. And that Michael, the archangel, and his angels fought against Satan. But the Bible says that the enemy, Satan, prevailed not. In the NIV, it says he wasn't strong enough. This morning, I want to tell you, people of God, that the adversary in your life, he might roar, he might threaten you, but he's not strong enough. Hallelujah. Jesus is greater. He gives us power over all the power of the enemy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise the Lord. My name is not important. If you want to know my name, you can see me at the church. But I do come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Yes. And there's confirmation in, the, in, in his word today in the house of God. Everything from the teaching in Sunday school, Brother Keith Nevad, to the, the, the messages and the exhortation in the worship. If you could see a thread of blood, there was one word, one message today. And I realized that my job now in this time is to interpretate to you what God is saying, to give it more light, to explain so that you know how to fight in the future. After we leave here, the battle begins again. It's a battle that we must go through. Amen? It's a fight that we must fight, but we don't fight in our own strength. We fight through the Spirit of God in His strength. Praise the Lord. If you could open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. Mm. Hallelujah. Yes. Isaiah chapter 43, we are going to be reading verse 1 and verse 2. Praise the Lord. Do you guys have it? How many people brought Bibles to church this morning? Can I see your hands? You see, that's good. <laughs> we are a word church. Our pastor preaches the word and only the word of God. And I love that about him. Before we get into the scripture, I want to give honor where honor is due. And first and foremost, I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ for saving my soul. It was the word of God that begotten me right here in this school. Years ago, I was way in the back and I was sitting down. I was full of sin and full of anger and, and unforgiveness in my heart. And Pastor Kyle came up here and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't, it wasn't his own philosophies or thoughts, but he preached the word. And that word got into my heart. And started to produce something that I never felt before. 
And I walked up to this altar and told Pastor Kyle, I want to get baptized in the name of Jesus. There was no altar call for baptism. At the end of the service, the last minute before dismissal, he said, we are baptizing a young lady on the property on 441. We want everyone to come in and participate. And I ran up here and I said, baptize me too in the name of Jesus. No one had to convince me. No one had to, you know, argue with me. I said, I want to be baptized. Because the Bible declares, with loving kindness will I draw them. Praise the Lord. That's why I do not force anyone to get baptized. Allow God will do it. He will draw them with loving kindness and pull them in. Because he is the fisher of men. And he said to Peter, I will make you who I am, a fisher of men. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I want to honor Jesus Christ. And secondly, my wife over here, Patrice Morgan. She is my best friend. We will be together forever. I declare that. I said, if you leave this house, I'm leaving with you. Where are we going? <laughs> we are leaving together. God put us together. And I love that woman. She's the mother of my children. She's a great mom. And I love her. Thirdly, I want to thank my pastor, my family first. Before that, my mother, my father, my grandmother is here. We are a family church. My brother and my sister, my mother and my father and my grandmother and my children soon have all been saved and baptized in this church. Come on. Come on. <laughs> the whole entire family. This is a great ministry. And that's why we go through so much struggle and wrestle because God is doing something great. I know you're standing, but I'll be standing for an hour or so. Thank you so much. Now I want to thank my pastor, of course, Pastor Kyle. I love Pastor Kyle and his family. Like I said, they preached to me when I was searching. And he's a good pastor. He's a strong pastor. Yes. He can lead men. He knows how to lead men, strong men. And I, lo I love that about him. And I want to thank the ministry team because when I came into this church, you know how it is when you're a new person, it's, it's, it's public information anywhere, at a job or a church. There could be tension. And people could say, who, who, who this new guy? Who do you think he is? I've never, not one time, received that. When I came in, they took me in with open arms. They loved me. They encouraged me. They prayed for me. And I thank God for the ministry in this church, not only on the platform, but ministry out here. You guys took me in as an orphan, and you guys loved me, and I'm here today to give you a word from God. I did my part. I'm not nervous this morning. I prepared. I prayed. I asked God, God, we need a word. I go to this church too. I know, but I come here, I need a word. So God has given me a package for you this morning, and he confirmed it through ministry, so I know it's true. Praise the Lord. For those who are new, I know we're standing We'll sit soon. For those who are new, I want to quickly go over something because you might not understand how the Bible is read or how, the, or how can we take the fruit or the word of God. So Jesus speaks in different tiers or dimensions when he speaks in his word. Different dimensions, different levels. He speaks to a man and with the man he speaks to a nation and with the man and nation he speaks to a people. So he will speak to Abraham, the man, but really speaking to the nation of Israel. But with both of them, he's speaking to us today. That's how God works. God does not speak only in one dispensation or time, but he speaks once. Twice have you heard it. Power belongs to God.
God will speak to one man and bless the whole nation and bless the people 2,000 years later. God will speak to you today, but not only for you, it's for your children and your children's children and your generations because God is great and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. So in Isaiah 43, the previous chapter, our Lord and Savior was severely rebuking the Jews as being deaf and blind and told them that it was their sins that caused the, the calamities that they were in. In, in, in chapter 42. So he was rebuking them harshly and telling them, listen, the reason why you're going through all these trials is because of your disobedience. Okay? But then he begins to let them know that although you messed up, you're still mine. Yes, you messed up and actually I'm the one that sent the, the trouble to you. Not really to destroy you, but to chasten you to correct you, to bring you back in alignment with me. We all know that God will chasten us. And chasing for a moment does not feel good, but it produces glory. Amen? So now we come to Isaiah 43, where we start. And it says here, Isaiah 43, 1, but now. I thank God for a but now. Yes, in the past I messed up and I did things that I'm paying for, but now. Amen? Can we say it together? But now, speaking on today, I know I've been confused in the past and made bad decisions and I, and, and I regret it, but now. And look who's speaking here. It says, but now thus says the Lord. The one that has all power is speaking here in this verse. And he says, but now says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. Let's say created. And he that formed thee, O Israel, let's say formed. He says, I have called thee by thy name. It's personal. Thou art mine. And verse 2 says this. When thou passest through the waters, you're going through the waters, I will be with thee. That's the promise. And through the rivers, you will go through it. But they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And that is the word of God today for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's a promise to his servants. Praise God. And before we pray and, and, and be seated, I want to do this early. Have you noticed that he uses water and, and, and fire? It's not by, by, by accident that he uses water and fire. Water and fire could be used for good and be used for evil. Water and fire could be a peril. We've seen it with Hurricane Dorian, the, the flood, how it destroyed so many things. But at the same time, we could boil some water and make a cup of coffee or tea. It could be pleasing also, right? Also with fire. We see fire could destroy. We see it in California. It destroyed all the homes. But fire could cook you a nice meal at the same time. God is saying here that the, the waters, hallelujah, the river, the fire can destroy the wicked. But for you, the water and the fire can bring you salvation. Because we know in the word of God that we are baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And John said, the one I baptize with water. But the one coming after me as Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and what? 
fire. Hallelujah. Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you, God. Let your anointing be present, Lord. Let your anointing that destroys the yoke be present. Let your anointing that set the captives free be present, Lord. You are the anointed one. You are the one that have all power in your hand. I pray, God, for every person in this building that you will open up our understanding to understand the scriptures. Open up our hearts to receive, Lord, clarity and direction because we are your people and we love you and we thank you and we pray in whose name? Jesus. You may be seated. Mm. glory. Thank you, God. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Allow me to take my time a little bit so that we could get some understanding. Amen? God wants us to understand we are his sheep. God cares for us. Every person in here, God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God wants you to be his. I'm not sure how much you understand um, scriptures and, 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 and things like that, but I do want you to understand if you're here today, it's by design. No one can come to God unless he draws them. No one will come to a church. People out there play, are fishing, enjoying their time off, but we're here in the house of God because we value the things of God. Something is drawing us to him. So if you're here, there's hope. If you're here this morning, God, Jesus Christ, is doing something new in your life. And it starts now. Isaiah 43, 1, it says, But now, thus says the Lord. My topic this morning, or my subject, is the crucible. Can we say it together? The crucible. It will make sense in a moment. But the crucible. Thus says the Lord. The introduction to God in our lives is the most important thing. When God introduces himself to you, it's a big deal. It's a big event. Throughout the word of God, you see God introducing himself to men. They were going about their business, living their lives. Some were farmers. Some were, you know, fishermen. Some were kings. Some were wicked kings, like, like um, Nebuchadnezzar. But there comes a time in a person who's chosen's life that the God of our salvation will introduce himself to you. You will have a feeling in you that there is God, but you can't, you don't know who he is. But rest assured that God will let you know. He will reveal himself to you in due time. God revealed himself to a people who were in bondage for over 400 years. We know the story. And the reason why we reference these stories, because the Bible says that these things were written aforetime for our learning, that we might have comfort through the scriptures. How God deals with the nation of Israel, God deals with us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Praise God. So this, this nation, Israel, they were in bondage in Egypt for 400, over 400 years. Imagine being away from, from your culture, from what you, what you were taught, 
for over 400 years. You begin to lose yourself. Every generation gets watered down and you begin to lose your identity. You begin to lose the things that Father Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob taught because you have been in a pagan world where have, that have many deities. You see, the world has many sources for them. Their phones are filled with phone numbers and each person can do a little bit for them, a little bit different. If you need some money, you know who to call. If you need someone to babysit, you know who to call. If you're down and out, you know who to call. That's how the world operates. So the, 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 the Israelites, they were used to this. Um, Egypt had over 2,000 deities. They had a God for everything. God for food. God of the sun. God for water. God for all these things. And they were used to seeing these things and began to lose what God has given them. So the revelation that there is only one God and one Lord is more than just a biblical doctrine or a theological concept. That revelation becomes a comfort to them that find themselves going through. To know that I'm taking a journey and all I need to do is to call on one makes it a lot easier. When you have too many options, someone might, someone might not answer. But when you know that the one that you're going to call on will always answer you, will always deliver you, and he is for you, there is a comfort in that. Praise God. So when Moses took this people, God was creating a theocracy where he would be king. And through his priests, he would rule the nation of Israel. He wanted to establish that I am not like Egypt. I am not like the world out there. I am different. This kingdom is different. I run things around here. And I have all power, and I love you. So Moses, after giving a commandment, says this, Hear, O Israel, listen, Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Praise God. Can, can we say it now? The Lord our God is one Lord. That one Lord answers to no one. That one God does not have to vote to bless you. He cannot be impeached. He cannot be removed from his seat of authority. That is the God that loves you and the God that loves me. He is the perfect God, the righteous judge of all. Hallelujah. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says, who I bless, no man can curse in the name of Jesus Christ. It, 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 it's beneficial to serve this God. It's not religion. It's not religion. It's relationship with the one that created you, the one that made you. Many of us in here have worries and cares in our hearts right now. And the one that's above all says to cast all of your cares upon me for I care for you. That should be a comfort that there's one God. Hebrews 11.6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first or must believe that he is. He is what? Whatever we need. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Seeking God is not easy. It takes diligence. It takes shutting off the old man and pursuing someone that you can't see. Isn't that something? That's the truth of, of, of pursuing God. But we know that God when he is found, when, when we pursue him and grab a hold of him, that he is a rewarder. 
And that should motivate us in the times of uncertainty to know that when we reach him, when he hears us, he will bless us and he will reward us. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. God establishes first that there is one God. This revelation should be a comfort to us. Now I want to take you on a journey. I want to take you from creation to formation. Because this is the journey many of us Christians are on. We're on a journey. We're, we're on a journey from creation to formation. Can we say it? Creation. Formation. Here's where the problem lies. Isaiah, 40, Isaiah 43, 1. But now, thus says the Lord that created, if I say created, the O Jacob. The word created or bara in the Hebrew, in this scripture, is referring to creation, to create, or to birth. But to go further, it also means to choose. It's deep. The Bible says that we all have one father who created us all, right? I think it's Malachi, I believe. I think it's Malachi. He says, but not everyone is chosen. When God is speaking prophetically to Israel through Isaiah and to us today, amen, he's letting us know not only have I created you, birthed you into this world, this world of sin, this world full of iniquity and lawlessness, but I have chosen you. And this choosing was before you manifested in this world. I thought about you. I know you inside out. And I have created you. I have breathed the breath of life in you. And I have chosen you and ordained you to be who you will be. We are a chosen people. Do you hear me? We are chosen. God has chosen us. He has created us and chose us. And it says, Jacob. That I love Jacob. <laughs> this is going to bring life to us. Because Jacob is an interesting character. He says, but now that says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. I want to go to Jacob's birth. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25, verse 22 through 23. Open up your Bibles if you can. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 25. Is it on the screen? Good, good. And it says here, and the children, the twins... Struggle together within her. Who's her? Rebecca. Rebecca was barren. And her husband entreated the Lord for her. Her husband, Isaac. And the Bible says that after he entreated the Lord for her. Amen. God heard him. And touched her womb. Gave it life. And now she's pregnant with twins. Isn't it powerful? That a man can pray for his wife on her behalf and God will bless her. I'm not sure why Rebecca didn't pray for herself, but the Bible says that Isaac prayed. 
That was a selfless act. Lord, my wife cannot have kids. She's not barren. She's barren. The Bible says that a woman that cannot have children is never satisfied. And Lord God, I want her to be satisfied. I want her to feel, you know, productive. Bless her, Lord. And because he was chosen, God heard him and God touched Rebecca and gave her a double portion for her trouble. Hallelujah. When we pray for one another, God said, I'll give you a double portion. When we pray for our brothers and sisters in private, God said, I'll bless them publicly. And you will know it's because of your prayers why they have what they have. That's a good thing. The Bible says that it's more blessed to give than receive. If you give your time and sacrifice for your brothers and sisters and they're blessed, you will feel blessed yourself. That's God's order. It says that, and the children struggled, 22, within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? Why, what's going on in my, in my stomach? What's, what's going on? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Now she's going for herself, learning from her husband. And the Lord said unto her, watch this, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. God was speaking about us and every, the world and the church. We know Esau was a man of appetite. That's the world. They, they live by appetite. The Bible says all the world has to offer us is the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. That's the world. Then there's the promised ones, the Jacobs, the ones that are after God, the ones that have something inside them that they can't explain that draws them to preaching, that draws them to worship, that draws them to call on a God that, that, that they don't know. God has put something in us from an early age. Many of you here could testify to that. That from a child, you've always been drawn to things of God. For, so you, you can't explain it, but you've just been drawn and you've been going from house to house trying to find your father, trying to find the one who has put himself inside of, or his desire inside of you. We see Jacob now in the scriptures. It says, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And here's the birth. Genesis 25, 26. And after that came his brother out, Esau. And his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. Or supplanter. Or trickster. The one that undermines. Isn't it funny how people will label you from one weak moment in your life? The Bible says that they, they, they labeled him Jacob. They called him underminer. They called him heel catcher because of what they saw him do. They didn't give little Jacob time to grow up, to make mistakes, and to allow God, God to name him, to allow his everlasting father to build him up. But immediately they called him underminer, heel catcher. But I thank God that when people label us, when people call us names and say that we're lazy and that, and that we're no good and that we'll never be anything in life, when they call us ugly and not smart and, and, and whatever the titles, they get poor and down. I thank God that God still uses us. I thank God that the labels that we get from people 
do not disqualify us from the love of God. I thank God that God still says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I thank God that he is the God of the alcoholic, the God of the drug addict, the God of the loser, the God of the lazy man or woman. I thank God that he is merciful and he still calls us his. He said, I created you, O Jacob, underminer, trickster. Many of us are hung up on what we have done. We have made many mistakes. You might not want to say amen, but everyone in here has shame in their lives. There's things that we did that we're shameful of now because now we know better. And at times, it may arise in our minds the things that we have done and remind us who we were. And if we're not careful, we will hold on to those images that come back in our minds. Why did I do this? Why did I do that? I should have known better. We beat ourselves up. And it causes depression. And then when it's habitual, it causes despair. And then now we're not useful. But this morning, God is telling us, that I have called you, I have created you. When I've made you and chose you before the foundation of the world, didn't I know your mistakes before? Am I not God? Am I not the Lord? Didn't I know that you would do that? Didn't I know that, that, that you will make these mistakes? Have I put it in your face? Never. Whenever you see your mistakes coming up to you, it's not God. It's the enemy or yourself. It's never the Lord. The Lord edifies. He builds up. He encourages. He loves us with an everlasting love. He's not surprised of our frailty. The Bible says, as a father pitieth his children, so the, pity, so the Lord pitieth them who fear him. God loves us. God said, Jacob, I've called you. Jacob, I know that you've messed up, but I've called you. This guy said something like this. I forgot his name, but it says, it's only after you have, you've stepped outside your comfort zone that you begin to change, grow, and transform. Everybody say creation. God created us. God knows our failings, our faults. God says, in, in spite of your failures, I've chosen you. But I'm not going to keep you where you are. I will save a fool, but I'll make them wise. You see, God is powerful like that. He's not limited. He will make you who you need to be. He will call you a mighty man of valor when you're hiding under oppression of the enemy. Because God is not limited to our time. God speaks something that's, that, that, that's not it, that, that, that's not as though it was, because he knows all things, and he has the power to change in the name of Jesus Christ. So we go from creation to formation, and we continue on in Isaiah 43. It says, but now thus says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. We understand that now. But it says, and he that formed thee, O Israel formation. That word form is yastar in the Hebrew. And it speaks of human activity. Motion. 
We're, doing, we're active. We're occupying until he comes. But it also speaks of divine activity. So it's the unseen world influencing the seen world. It's God ordering your steps from one month to now. Before you were baptized in his name, before you repented of your sins, before you were filled with the Holy Ghost, God was there and leading you the whole way. Every place that you went, he was there. Even the places that, that, that are contrary to his word, the clubs, the places where you might buy things that will harm your body. God was right there with you, watching you. The reason why you're not in jail, the reason why you're not killed, buried somewhere in a, in a, um, a cemetery, is not because you're good or you're, you're wise to get out of trouble. But it's because God spares your life. Because God has a plan for you. The things that you have done, other people have done and they're not here anymore. But you are here because God's hand was always upon you, protecting you, carrying through, carrying, carrying you through your life. God says, I'm forming you. There is divine activity, but this, this forming is to frame us. It has been preordained. It's a plan. But here is the, the key I like. It's called purpose of a situation. Can we say that together? Purpose of a situation. God says the way that I form you is that I put you in situations according to my purpose. Mm. And that's every situation, good and, and bad. Everything you have been through, everything that you will ever, ever go through, God has purposed that situation to form you. And a lot of times it does not feel good. But when we know that the one God is involved in this and that the one God that we worship is orchestrating even the bad in our lives, there's comfort when we know that is him. This, divi this divine purpose of situations I call God's crucible. What's a crucible? A crucible is a situation of severe trial or in which different elements interact, so God and man, leading to the creation of something new. Yes, it's bad. It hurts, but it's for my good. Yes, I'm in the dark, but it, it'll be worked out for my good. God is in it, and God is doing something new in my life. All the things that you're going through right now today, God is using that to bless you. We see this with Jacob. The Bible says in Genesis 32, 24, and Jacob was left alone, and there and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. The Bible says that when Jacob was going back to the promise, that before he met his brother Esau, an angel came, a man came at night in the dark places. And the Bible says that Jacob wrestled all night with this angel. Wrestling. 
in the dark, not knowing who you're fighting, not knowing if you're going to win, but just wrestling, wrestling with life, wrestling with, with, with my career, my job, my identity, wrestling with my family, wrestling with my calling. It's a wrestle that we go through in life, a wrestling with God, a wrestling with man. Praise the Lord. And this wrestle is the crucible. This wrestle is where God is forming you. This wrestle is where God is going to give you a new name and a new identity. God wants us to stay in the wrestle, stay in the fight, because it's in the wrestle where we grow. It's in the wrestle where we become new in the name of Jesus. God forms us in dark places. In the dark. The Bible says in Lamentations chapter 3, 2, He has led me, He, God, and brought me into darkness, but not into light. What is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. That's all it is. Darkness is the absence of something. Mm. And God says, but I'm going to form you and make you into my image. I'm going to remove things out of your life. See, many of you have been crying to God, if I had my mother and father in my life, I'd have been far, so far. If I never got divorced, if my husband ever left me or my wife ever left me, I would have been okay and been so far. If I never got sick, if I never, 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 if I had this, if I had a mentor, I would have been so far in life. But today, I want to let you know that God did not allow those things in your life because those same things that you do not have have pushed you into the Lord. The reason why you know the word, the reason why you're strong under pressure is because of the absence of the things you did not have. The things you thought you needed. God is telling you, you do not need it. What you need is me. What you need is my word. What you need is my spirit. I'm making you an overcomer. Hallelujah. I'm making you strong in the Lord and the power of his might by what you don't have, by removing the light. You see, the light is removed, but not God. Ah. Hallelujah. The light is removed. But not God. God is there. He said he'll hide you in the secret place of his tabernacle. The shadow of the Almighty will overshadow you. You will abide under his shadow. He's there the whole time. The Bible says when mother and father forsake you, that's when the Lord will lift you up. Everyone in this sanctuary is valuable to God. And God says, I've put you in the dark room. To produce a beautiful picture. <laughs> Pictures are developed in the dark room. They put it under the dark before it's exposed too early. Because if it's exposed too early, the picture will be destroyed. And God is making an image out of you. And that image is Christ. God is producing Christ in your life. In the name of Jesus. Paul said in Galatians, I will travail with you until Christ be formed in you. 
That's why we're here this morning because we are travailing together until Christ is formed. And Christ is formed in the dark places. We see it in creation with mothers when they're pregnant. The babies are in the womb. They grow in the womb, in the dark place. Dark places aren't bad. It's a good thing. It's God's crucible. God has orchestrated this. He has tailored your dark place for you. Everyone's dark place is different. That's why we can't look at other people and say, well, why are they, why they can't just be strong in this situation? That's them. God knows what's in them. God knows what's in you. He knows what he needs to do to get it out, to produce something strong in you. Every crucible is different. That's why we can't judge people. That's why we can't say, well, if you have done this, you have never got divorced. Pastor said it. If you have done this, you have never been to jail or never been through this obstacle. But God is king and God is Lord. And leave people to him because he knows all things. He says, pray for your brother and sister, not judge in the name of Jesus. I'm not sure what it is today that you're going through, but I want to encourage you today that God is with you. And that when it's all said and done, the end will speak. And you will be strong and you will be mighty in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Mm. I want to leave the crucible, but it's so strong, it's so powerful, this crucible. We see Jesus Christ leading his disciples for three and a half years, teaching them the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The master. Then his day came, and they took him, and they beat him. Mm. And they hung him high on the cross. Horrible. And we know that, that that moment in time is called what? The crucifixion. Even God himself, for our sake, went through a crucible to be a pattern so we could share in the fellowship of his suffering so that we may be partakers, right, of his, of his power. The crucible before power. The cross before the resurrection. But then we see Jesus Christ buried for three, in a, for three days in darkness. No one was singing. No one was preaching. And we thought that God was finished. Jesus. But during that time, <laughs> he went down into Hades, and he was working. Because God never sleeps or slumber. When we think God is not working, he's working. He went to the adversary and took the keys and said, Satan, you are finished. Hallelujah. In that time of darkness, praise God. And the Bible says he let captive cat free and took the all saints up with him. He said, come on, we're leaving this place. I'm here. God is working. 
in your life. On the third day, this Bible says that he raised again. He raised the, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The fire of God took up that body. Come on. Pick up that body. Came out the grave and they saw him risen from the dead. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the cycle of life for us, for Christians, for believers. Death. When God takes out what we think we need, that's death to whatever it is. Then we're buried because now we're being transformed from glory to glory and from faith to faith. But remember, there's always a resurrection. In different seasons, there's a crucible. It will change as we go on. It's not going to stop, but God is, is making you stronger in steps, in stages. But just remember that whenever you're in a dark place and you do not know what to do, when you're confused and you're saying, God, I'm trying to find you, but I just can't find you, remember that God is there working. And on the third day, you will be raised by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we move on now. Now that we know these things, back to Isaiah 43. He says, oh, Israel, fear not. He says, fear not. Fear not. Fear. And he's not rebuking, but he's encouraging us. Because this fear is not a fear that leads us away from God. This is the fear that we're holding on to something, but we're not sure if it's going to come to pass because we're human. So 365 times in the word of God, he tells us, fear not. Because the battle for the believer is fear. We believe, but help my unbelief. That's the battle that we go through every day. And this is what the enemy uses to paralyze believers. Because if he can't stop you from coming into the kingdom, he will try to stop you from for living for God effectively. He doesn't stop. So what he does, he brings fear. And fear usually comes when we take our eyes off of the author and look to ourselves. That's when fear begins to manifest. Where is fear located, by the way? That's very important. Because if we're going to be delivered from fear, we need to know where fear is. So I could fight against it accurately through the word of God. Amen? The Lord leaves no gray areas. He tells us everything in his word. And we have here in Jeremiah. Are you okay? Everybody's good? Amen. I love you guys. Thank you. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40, it says this. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts. See, this fear is not the fear that will lead you away from God. This fear is reverence, is reverence to God. But the fear that will paralyze you is located in the same place. And where is that? Look on the, on the screen. Where is it, people of God? Do you see it? Oh, there it is now. You see it now? Where is it located? The heart. Fear is in the heart of man. 
That's where the enemy wants to put fear. Right there in your heart. Now, why is it important, the heart? We're not talking about the organ that pumps blood through the body. But something else. The Hebrew word for heart is labab. And it's speaking of the inner man. It's who you are. It's speaking of the mind. Praise God. The heart is in the belly. The spirit of man is in the belly right here. But it's connected to your mind. So the heart, the spirit sends signals to your mind and you act on it. Amen? That's why the Bible says that his spirit bear witness with our spirit. He speaks to us in our spirit that we are the sons of God. He speaks, I love you. And it signals up to your mind and you say, God loves me. Because it's with the mind that we serve God. Amen. So the heart of man is the seat of appetite. The seat meaning the place of authority in a person. This is your capital of you. This is, where, this is where you rule yourself, where God will rule you in your heart. This is where everything happens, right here in your heart. It's the seat of appetite. It's the seat of your emotions and your passions. Everything about you, your passions, your desire, your will is located in your heart. It is the, the, the determination of the will. It's where you make decisions in your heart. Amen? And also, it is the seat of courage. Your heart is where courage lies. So now we can see the strategy of the enemy. If they get to God, I know how to disable them. I'm going to take away their courage where they can't move. I'm going to roar like a lion and freeze them so they can't move. Yes, you're powerful. You have the Holy Ghost and power. But if, God, but if the enemy can paralyze you through fear, where is that power going? Nowhere. Think about it. How many of you here would love to give Bible studies but haven't moved yet? You feel a call to open up your home, to have a connect group, or, to, or you want to evangelize your city. You pray about it. You ask God to speak to you, and sometimes that courage will come up. I'm going to make a move. But a couple of hours later, you say, you know what? I'm not doing it again. Why? I need this. I need that. I can't do that. I can't speak. I can't. That's not your voice. That's the enemy. That's the spirit of fear. Spirits speak. Spirits give suggestions. When you speak to yourself that way in your mind, that's not you. That's the enemy paralyzing you from doing what God has called you to do. Have you noticed that you will feel fear only in certain areas? You'll be mighty in business. I'm going into the boardroom and close this deal today. But when God says, go and preach to that brother, you go, oh, I can't do it, God. I don't know. I don't know the word. I don't know. I, can't, I don't know theology and, and eschatology. I don't know these stuff. I need, I need to go to school, God. Have you noticed that? We need to identify the places where we have fear because that's where your blessing is. That's right there behind that wall, behind Jericho. It's where you will possess your possession. God wants you to go forth, God has a plan 
for our lives and a plan for this church. And it's going to take every single person in here today. Everyone in here, from the kids to the visitors, are here for a purpose. Imagine everyone in here walked in faith and power. Imagine everyone in here was bold, like a lion. A lion is not the strongest animal in the jungle or, or in Africa. <laughs> but what makes him the king of the animal kingdom is his mind. He thinks he's the best. He said, wherever I go, I rule. Where my feet touch belongs to me. Sound like Abraham to me, I don't know. Wherever I go, I am the seed of Abraham. Wherever I go, I carry the glory. Wherever I go, people shall be saved in the name of Jesus. I am a child of God. I am led by the Spirit. I am powerful in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants from us in here. Imagine everyone had that mindset. Because fear is in the mind, which is the heart. So the Bible says here, praise God. In 2 Corinthians, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mm. but they are mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds. Watch this. Casting down imaginations. Those nations that come up, those pagan nations that, that, that don't belong in our minds. God says his power will bring them down. His power, his anointing will destroy the imaginations that aren't real. The enemy wants to stop us. But he says, listen, our weapons are not carnal. They're not carnal. They're not fleshly. We don't fight in our own strength. We don't fight in our own power, but we fight through the Spirit, through the anointing. Everybody say anointing. Oh, yeah. The anointing. There's one person anointed. Hallelujah. One. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. And when we are in him, now we are anointed because of him. In Jesus' name, you are anointed. You are anointed to do everything that God has called you to do. Hallelujah. You are anointed in the name of Jesus. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's the anointing that set the captives free. And you have it. Right now you have it. You have the anointing of God. It's not a coincidence. In Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my what? My head. God, anoint my thoughts, Lord. Give me the mind of Christ, the mind of the anointed, so I can believe you for what you have said about me. Anoint me, God. Anoint my mind. Anoint my thoughts, Lord God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, the anointed. We need the anointing over our thoughts, over our mind. He said, you have the mind of Christ. I like the words, the mind of Christ. It didn't say Jesus, but it's the same person. But God is an architect. He's an author. He, everything means something. 
We have the mind of the anointed one and his anointing. It's a powerful thing. The Spirit of God wants to teach us things. The anointing is a person. It's not really oil. The anointing is the Spirit. But the oil represents the Spirit. When we anoint you with oil, we're saying, God, let your Spirit rest here. And the reason why you're healed and the reason why you're delivered with the, with the anointed oil, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Liberty. We mark you with the anointing oil so God will see you bullseye. That's where I want to land, right there. And the Spirit of God will come upon you, the anointing. The battle we have, people of God, is in the mind. The mind. Fear wants to rule our minds. Fear wants to speak lies to us and tell us who we, are, who we are not. It wants to remind us that, remember, you're Jacob. Don't go back to Bethel. Stay here with Laban. Just work. The spirit of fear wants to tell you, Abraham, don't leave the land of a Chaldees. Stay there. You don't know where you're going. The spirit of fear, hallelujah, wants to tell Jeremiah, don't preach. It's too hard. They don't like you anyway. The spirit of fear spoke to so many people throughout the word of God and still speaking today. But the blood, the blood of Jesus says, it says it speaks of better things than of Abel. The blood speaks too. God is speaking. <laughs> when the enemy speaks, God has the opinion also. Let me talk now. You've been talking too much. And God will tell us the truth. And the truth shall make us free. Hallelujah. What God uses in the anointing, how he brings, how he destroys fear, and I'm going to close with this, is that he gives us peace. <laughs> the peace of God through the anointing is what counter fear. The peace of God. The reason why Solomon was able to build the temple it's because he had peace all around him. The Bible says all his enemies were at peace with him. Because we need peace to build. And God knows this. David had too much blood in his hands. He couldn't build. Too much, too much going on. But Solomon was able to build because of peace. It's not that the enemy wasn't present. Those nations were still there. But when a man weighs, please the Lord... <laughs> Even his enemies will be at peace with him. And our ways are pleasing to him. You better believe it. Because he presents us unto himself blameless. It's not that we present ourselves blameless, because we're not. But he says, I will make you blameless and present you to myself. So your ways please me because I said so. You better believe that. Your ways please the Lord. Because you're not serving God with your name. You're serving him through his name. And when he sees you, he sees the blood. And when he sees you, he sees himself. We are made in the image of Jesus Christ. Your ways please him. So we have peace. I want to I show you how to get peace in closing. 
Philippians 4.8 says, it says before that, Philippians 4.6. You ready? Here's the word. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything. Not some things, in everything. By prayer and supplication. But listen, with thanksgiving. So we're not praying, oh God, woe is me. It's no, Lord. Let the weak say I'm strong. I am strong, God. What I'm going through, I know it's a crucible. And it's only for a season. So I thank you that the promises will come to pass in my life. I will not cast away my confidence in you. That brings reward and recompense, Lord. But I will believe you, God. And I thank you in this situation. And let your requests be made known unto God. Tell him how you feel. Put the phone down. Get out of Egypt. We have one source. I'm not saying that your brothers and sisters can't pray for you, but sometimes we run to them too quick. And they can become idols in our lives. And God wants us to go to him first. Praise the Lord. And cast our cares on him. And here's the results. Brother Nebad said it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Here's the results. He says, and the peace of God which passes all understanding, dealing with the mind again. Listen, it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see that? He says, when you bring your cares to me, when the enemy speaks lies to you, when you find yourself in adverse situations like you will tomorrow morning, and you will on Tuesday, and you will on Wednesday, and you will on Thursday, and you will on Friday, and you win on Saturday. He said, when you find yourself in, in these times where you're not at church and you don't feel the presence of God right away, he says, pray. Cast your cares on me. Pray to me. Let me know how you feel. Open your mouth. Fear will silence you. But God says, open your mouth. Don't meditate on the problems. Don't meditate on what could happen, what might happen. But pray and release your cares to me. And he says, now I'll release my anointing. I'll release the peace of God that passes all what you understand. And I will keep your hearts, your heart, the seat of your emotion, where your courage is, where your appetites are, where your will is. I'll keep that in my will. I will keep it at peace through your trial. And you will run your race. And you will finish your course in the name of Jesus. Music, come please. Praise God. The music, please, can come. We're closing. We're going to pray. We are going to pray. We're not done yet. We are going to pray because we're not a church that hears the word and leave and go back to the same old things. We are growing. Aren't you growing in Christ? I'm growing so much. We're going to pray. But we're going to pray for something. Our minds. Can we all stand please? It says after you pray. Watch this while we close. After you pray and the peace comes. God tells us this. Start thinking. Start to think. Don't just. We learn to pray. But sometimes we have, we, we have not learned to think. The mind. We serve God with the mind. 
Philippians 4.8 says this, finally, finally, after all these things you have heard today, after all the inspiration through the word of God you have received to go forward, finally, brethren, you, brethren, the church, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are good of, of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, hallelujah, he says, think on these things. God wants you to think on these things. And what are these things? I want to tell you what it is. Only the word of God is true. Only the word of God is honest. Only the word of God is just and pure and lovely and of good report and have virtue and is praiseworthy. He says, meditate on my word and you will have good success in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray a little bit right here. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We receive your word this morning. We thank you, God, for your anointing. We thank you, God, that you have created us and have chosen us in this sinful world. And now, God, you are forming us. We're not going to stay the same. But we are going to receive the promise. We are being formed into the image of Christ. We are being formed to look like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to function like God in the earth, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This morning I have two altar calls, two. One altar call, but two groups. Hallelujah. The first group is this. From an early age, you fell a pull. You have been searching. You have been looking for God. And you find yourself today in this school, which has become a sanctuary. And you feel something right now in the spirit. God is calling you. God is here. He has been with you your whole life. God loves you. He has chosen you. But listen, it's time for you now to respond. You have given your vow to God in the past when you went through trouble. Psalm 66. You say, God, I'm in trouble. If you, if you help me, I'll serve you. It's time now to pay that vow to God. And I want to show you how. The Bible says in the book of Acts, we know it, 238. He says to repent. That means to change your mind about yourself, about God, and about sin. To be remorseful, to say, God, be godly sorrow. God, forgive me of my sins. Then the Lord says this. Then to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Can you hear me, visitor, or someone in this room? God says, he commands it in love. He said, this is my plan for you to be baptized in my name no longer will they call you Jacob no longer will they call you underminer because now I'm going to put my name on you the blood will be applied through baptism today in the name of Jesus we have robes for you the water is stirred up 
it's time for you to give your life to God it's time for you to stop running from him and come to the one who loves you the lover of your soul is calling you this morning hallelujah the one Lord the one God is calling you this morning to be baptized today you do not have to understand everything we will teach you we will show you more but if you feel that pull come we will pray for you and we will baptize you in the name of Jesus the second altar call this morning is for the believers the children of God listen listen carefully last night me Pastor Kyle spoke Pastor Kyle is refreshed thank God Pastor Kyle is, is strong and, and he has plans that God has given him for all of us to do but even if we have plans and we have ministry to do if you are not ready it won't get done there's some of you here that have a call on your life God has been calling you to preach yes God has been calling you to evangelize God has called you to give Bible studies God has called you to sing to pray to intercede but for some reason fear has gripped you in your mind we want to pray for you God has given you ideas for business to bless the kingdom of God but you have not moved yet God has given you ideas for the children to have a school but you have not moved yet because of fear today we want to pray for you that's you come to the front if it's a whole church whoever it is come to the front so we could pray he anointed my head with oil we want to break the yoke by the anointing this this morning destroy the yoke so God will use you you will be free to move forward you won't have imaginations stopping you in the name of Jesus hallelujah the Lord is with you people are coming up now people are coming we thank you God for the response of your word we thank you Lord we know God that every person at this altar will be touched every person at this altar will be transformed in the name of Jesus we thank you God for your anointing that flows down from our heads down to our bodies your word says if the head is sick the whole body will be 